So excited to uh, be here uh, again. It's been probably like 11 months or so since I've spoken here at our church. And so super excited to be here with you guys. Uh, shout out to all my people outside again. Glad you guys are here. And so today we're going to dive into the power of listening. Okay. So it, you know that someone can hear you without listening to you. You know that, right? Right? They can hear you and not listen to you. And so I have five children, and my youngest is a little boy. His name is Jace, um, and uh, he's wonderful. But I, a little while ago, we went to 7-Eleven, and it was Slurpee Day. It was icy, right? However you grew up, wherever they were called, wherever you're from. And so we go, and it's his first icy, and so I, I fill it with all the colors, and he's really excited about it. And so he gets this thing, and right before he starts to take a sip, I say, Son, listen, all right? Listen to me. He's like, huh? Listen, are you listening? Yes. Don't drink it too fast, okay? Listen to me. He's like, okay, Dad. So then, of course, he takes it, and he takes a mean old swig. I mean, like, and I'm like, here it comes. And then I don't know if you remember what it's like to have your first brain freeze. Um, you're probably too young, but it's an excruciating thing. It, this child was just like, what is happening to my brain? And he just went through it. I held him. We got through it. And then I looked at him and said, son, you heard what I was saying, but you didn't listen to me. Okay? So hold on to that as we go through our verses today. And so we're in Mark 10, 35 through 45. If you open up your, your uh, Bible, so hopefully you brought that. Maybe it's on your phone. It'll be on the screen as well. Here's what it says. Mark 10, 35, 35 to 45 says this. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to him. Teacher, they said, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Well, what do you want me to do for you, he asked. And they replied, let one of us sit at your right and the other at your left in your glory. You don't know what you're asking, said Jesus. Can you drink the cup I drink or be baptized with the baptism I am baptized with? And these men, these men said, we can. They hear you, Jesus, but they're not listening. And so the key to these verses and the main takeaway today is found in verse 32. So a lot of times when we're in Scripture and you're reading something, you want a bigger context, just go above and, and beyond it, all right? So we go a little bit above where, where our verses are today. Verse 32 said this, They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus leading the way, and the disciples were, what does it say there? Astonished. While those who followed were, come on, speak to me, people, come on. There it is. Again, he took the twelve aside and told them what was going to happen to him. We are going up to Jerusalem. Now, this is Jesus is saying this to him. He's like, we're going, this is clear, we're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the teachers of the law. They will condemn him to death and will hand him over to the Gentiles who will mock him and spit on him, flog him and kill him. Three days later, he will rise. It's pretty clear. Now, this is the third time, by the way, in the account of Mark that he tells them these words. This is, the, this is the third time. Son, listen to me. Don't drink it too fast. But they, they heard him, but they didn't listen. So let me set, set the stage for you what's going on here. 
So Jesus has done all these miracles in these teachings. It's been incredible. And he's going up to Jerusalem, and the buzz is this man is going to be king. The revolution is happening. People are getting excited. He's been all over the country. He's been doing these things. There's a huge buzz about it. And so everybody's kind of like gearing up. You can feel it in the air. Have you ever been to a protest? Or, or something's going down, or maybe you grew up in a rough neighborhood, you knew a fight was going to come. You, you know what that feels like, right? Like the, it's like this weird excitement, kind of like feeling in the air. And this is what's going on. And they think, man, he's about to become king. And it says the disciples were astonished, but those who were following him were afraid. Now, they're astonished because the disciples had been with them. They had seen the miracles. They were on the inside. They understood, they, well, they thought they understood the teachings, right? And he keeps on telling them. And he's like, here's what's going to happen. And so they're really excited. They were astonished. So the disciples amazed, like, oh my gosh, this is about to go down. But the people were afraid, and they were afraid because they understood the Roman war machine. They understood, they had seen in their lifetime or their grandparents had seen what it looked like when revolutions happen and what the Romans do to people that try to rise up against them. They burn your whole village. They kill and rape your, your mom, your sister, your children. They, they, they will decimate people. In fact, during this time, uh, people would have had to shield their children as they walked along the road while people were crucified along the main roads. So they didn't see naked people crying out in pain. This is how brutal the Roman, I said that word, brutal, brutal, right? So this is how brutal the Roman war machine and government was. So they were afraid. They were like, look, I want revolution, but are we really about to go up to Jerusalem? Now, remember on Palm Sunday, that was a revolutionary act. They started doing palm branches. They're excited. So people said, they bought in. They're like, this is going to happen. But they were afraid. And so they knew the prophecies, they knew, they, they were like, these things seem to fit. Then Jesus explains again what's going to happen. And it's at this moment, the audacity of James and John, it's at this moment that they're like, uh, oh, Jesus, hey, when, when all this goes down, can we sit at your right and your left? Can we get some glory? On, can I get some authority here when you kind of take over? When you decimate the Romans, when you sit on your throne, we want to be on the sides to be given authority. This is when they choose to do that. And so the scripture goes on to say in verse 39, Jesus said to them, yeah, you will drink the cup I drink and be baptized with the baptism I'm baptized with. But to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those to whom they have been prepared. Yeah, you hear me, but you're not listening to me. So often we hear Jesus, don't we? I know you hear Jesus. Maybe we see someone post a verse. You ever do that? Is that like your daily, weekly reading, right? When you catch that verse on Instagram. I'm making fun of you a little bit. I'm sorry. Is it too soon? Okay, it's been a long time. Sorry. So maybe somebody posts a verse and you, you, you read that. Someone quotes a pastor or sends a video clip. You may even get into the scripture. Maybe you watch The Chosen. Anybody? You guys know what The Chosen is? This is the whole thing about this site. No? Okay, go on YouTube. It's fine. Um, right? Maybe you use the Bible Project and you've been, you know, trying to understand Scripture a little bit more. Like, we hear Jesus. You hear and experience the Holy Spirit. You know that, right? Every single person in here, all you people, let me see my people out here. All you people out there, there it is. Every single one of us here hears and experiences the Holy Spirit. 
but are you listening? Because he is active, he's, he's chasing after you, he's speaking and he's doing things, he's hoping you pay attention, he's hoping you listen. And so we all experience that, but are we listening? You see, listening means to pay attention to the sound, to the movement, to hear something with thoughtful attention, to give consideration, to meditate on what is said. And if Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, then it's to listen and, anybody? Obey. So you listen to what I'm saying? Or are you just hearing me right now? No, okay, no talk back? That's okay. Um, here we go. So Jesus just told these dudes, okay, for the third time what was going to happen. And the first thing James and John do is to seek their own glory in this. And we know the disciples didn't listen to listen or understand what Jesus was saying because of the reaction after it all went down. Remember, like, Jesus gets taken away, he gets beat, and he gets crucified. What happens to all the disciples? They scatter, they run, they're afraid, they, they're confused. They're just like, I don't understand what's going on. Jesus just told them what was going to happen. And they missed it. I kind of feel like it's like um, if, if they're all together and Jesus goes, look, this is what's going to happen. We're going to go up there. They're going to capture me. They're going to beat me. They're going to kill me. But three days later, I'm going to rise. And they're all sitting around like, oh, okay. And like looking at each other like, that's a metaphor, right? He's, that's a metaphor. Right? All right, where? It's a metaphor, right? Like they just did, they couldn't get it. And, and I get that. I think I would, have, I would have been the same way. I hear Jesus all the time and I don't listen. Shoot, I hear my wife a lot of times and I don't listen. Anybody? You have a significant other? Is it just the men in here? Probably, right? And I'm like, okay, I hear you, and I think I know what you're asking me to do right now. Because listening involves so many other things than just the words, right? Am I, am I dialed in? Am I present? Am I listening to what my wife is actually saying, right? Here's a little tip um, if, if you're dealing with uh, men, uh, come to our front door. You ever say something from a, and they're like, uh-huh. This is like what it's like with children too. You know, you got to come to, you got, yeah, now I see you. What's going on, right? You got to help us, right? Listen. We've got to be active and present in that. There's power in listening. And so as I thought about James and John uh, when I was getting into these verses, there's three mistakes that I think we can learn in, in following Christ that we can learn from James and John. The first one is obvious, right? Is that we hear, but we don't listen, right? What good is it if we have all the knowledge and we don't live it out? Jesus tells us what is good. He tells us, you know, what good is it if you gain the whole world and forfeit or lose your soul? And Jesus is the key to all of this. And so why do you think that scripture tells us that Jesus is the word of God? That's interesting, isn't it? He's the word. He doesn't just want you to hear. He wants you to listen, pay attention, and then obey. The second is this, to miscalculate the cost. Jesus asked them, do you know what you are asking? Do, can you drink of my cup? Can you be baptized like I'm going to be baptized? And they say, yeah, we can. Like they miscalculated the cost. They had no idea. They thought that they could spend a couple of years, hang with Jesus for a couple of years, go through some things. They went through some things. 
Go through with Jesus for a couple years, hang with him, and then all of a sudden come into glory and have all this authority. That's what they thought. Shoot, if I just, you know, I hung with this dude, I left my business, I left my dad, what, I'm here? I get to see all these miracles, and then God, hey, when you come into all your glory, can I sit on your right and your left? They, they miscalculated the cost, and I feel like for so many believers, yeah, you know, that's kind of what it's like for us. We can learn from these men. Yeah, I show up to church sometimes. Yeah, I read the Bible, you know, I get into it. I'm a good person. Well, I, you know, I, I kind of did these things. We hear Jesus, but we're not listening to him. There's a cost there. There's something that he's inviting us into, and we miscalculate the cost. You know, James was beheaded. That's how he ended up. The apostle James was beheaded by Herod and was the first to die of all the apostles. And John, his brother, gets exiled and dies of old age while watching all his dearest friends and the other disciples die horrible deaths. Like he went through a lot of pain and suffering. And I don't think he understood the cost when he was like, yo, Jesus, like, can I sit at your right and left when you come into all your power? He miscalculated the cost. And the third one is, they must misunderstood the, the reward. We would misunderstand the reward. And so they wanted glory when they had the gift right in front of them. Anybody? You, you want certain things from Jesus and you miss that Jesus is the reward. He's the gift. And so they missed it at first, but friends, with all the pain and the suffering in this world, I want to I give my life to the Savior that suffered with me for me, that gives me power over sin and invites me to bring his healing and light to this world. So Jesus gives me identity. He gives me belonging. He gives me purpose. And yet, those things aren't the reward. Jesus is the reward. And if you know, you know. And if you don't, there's power in listening. If you don't connect with that, if you're not like, I, I don't really understand what you're talking about. Like, is Jesus really that reward? If you know, you know. You're with me on that. Like, for me, I'm a witness. I'm like, this, Jesus has changed my life. He's made me a different person. He's healed me. He's redeemed things. He's forgiven me. I've been able to forgive others. I live a life that is worth it to understand not only the cost, but also the reward. And I'm living it, and I'm looking forward to much more of it. That's what I want for you this morning. I don't want you to just hear me. I want you to listen to me. If you know, you know. But when you don't listen, when I don't listen, when I miscalculate the cost and misunderstand the reward, this is the reaction, okay? Here's the reaction of the world, and here's the reaction of the other people. Verse 41. When the ten heard this, they became what? It should be on the screen. Are we, we got it? No, that's all right. That's okay. So when the, her, when, the, when the ten heard this, they became indignant. When was the last term, time you used that word? I'm indignant, right? With James and John. They became indignant with James and John. Jesus called them together and said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
He just told them again. <laughs> like, I'm going to tell you one more time in a different way. And they didn't listen. The reaction of the disciples is similar to the reaction of the world when you and I claim Christ and then make these mistakes and live out in that way with those understandings. People become indignant. They point out the hypocrisy. They leave the faith. They stop listening altogether. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're struggling with that. Maybe you're in that, that, this wonderful and difficult space of deconstruction. Maybe you're like, man, is all this, was all this fake? Was all the Bible stories and the church and the children's ministry and the, you know, all the things you know, that you went through or came to get to this place here? And you're just questioning all that. That's what happens when we hear and not listen. That's what happens when we miscalculate the cost. That's what happens when we don't understand the reward that it's Jesus in that. People become indignant. Man, you said you were about this, but you're all about this. Anybody feel that way towards the church or Christians today? Shoot, every time I get on socials, I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Every time I read the news, and I'm like, that's not, and don't you feel a little bit indignant? It's like, that's not me, right? That's not what I represent. Okay, well, what do you represent? I, 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 want, I want people around me that, that listen, don't just hear the word of Jesus. Because there's a lot of people out there. Yeah, they heard what Jesus said. They wrap them in an American flag and they, right? And they, they, they add all these things to Jesus, but they're not listening to Jesus. When I read scripture, I don't read this, this misogynist, patriarchal, like nationalist. I don't, when I read this, I was just in the Psalms. I was just reading the Psalms. I'm like, dude, God really cares about the poor. He really cares about justice. He really loves us. And he did something about it. I'm with that. I want to listen to that. I want to obey that. But there's so much around us that's pushing us to, to be indignant towards Jesus, towards each other, towards the church. It's up to you and I. There's so much power in listening. So James and John are such a beautiful picture of what it actually looks like to be transformed by Christ. So these brothers, Jesus nicknamed these brothers, right? That's how you know Jesus was from the street, because he gave nicknames to people. You know what I mean? So he, he gave nicknames to these guys, and he called them, anybody know? The Sons of Thunder, right? Because they were so loud, so edgy, so brash, so just like over the top, like, yo, you need to calm down. You need to chill, all right? The Sons of Thunder. Yet it was James who was one of the first to follow Jesus. The brash, those people who make other people indignant, like the guy who's loud, who's angry, who's all that, who's messed up. He's actually one of the first ones to follow Jesus. Jesus is like, hey, come follow me. He's like, all right, cool. Right? Brings a brother along. And so it was these brothers that wanted to call down fire on a Samaritan village. Do you guys remember that? It's in Luke. They were like, man, this village did not accept them. And so they were like, man, forget these fools. Like, God, should, you want me to call fire down on them? These guys wanted violence on people who didn't agree with them or didn't treat them well. These are the, the brothers we're talking about. And Jesus rebuked them. You know, one scholar thinks it was James' fiery temper that got him executed for the way he spoke truth to power, who was Herod at the time. And that's why he got beheaded. Because he was a loudmouth and let his anger... right. And I know we don't usually think about the disciples this way. 
You know, they're supposed to be, you know, they're in stained glass and they're all perfect. Like, these dudes were a mess. Gives me hope for me and for you. It was these brothers who wanted to be first in the kingdom before everybody else. Right? Jesus walking, he's leading the way to Jerusalem and they catch up to him, the, the other ten are back there. Hey, we want authority. We want to be better than these guys. It's ugly. They, along with all the other apostles, is why Jesus kept explaining and teaching. Like, no, let me explain it again. Okay, you don't, you don't get it? Okay, let me explain it a different way. Let me tell you this. And he just graciously continued to draw them in. And they had heard all these really hard teachings. And our, you know, the other pastors here have shared this over the weeks before, all these teachings as we've gone through Mark. And just right before these verses, it's like, sell everything you have and follow me. Be like children. The first will be last and the last will be first. And it's, it's hard for the rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. And they're like, the disciples actually say, who then can be saved? Like, this sounds impossible. How can the th- sons of thunder be saved? Look at these dudes. They're ridiculous. And this gives me hope. Right? The kingdom of God is so different and beautiful and contrasts this world. And James and John imagined a bootleg kingdom. Uh, uh, the empire dressed up in religion. But if we are to see that, that kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven, we have to listen and, say it with me, obey. So what happens when you listen? You go from the sons of thunder to people that change the world. You, you go from self-serving to selfless. You go from power-hungry to power-filled. You go from changing their own life to helping change millions and millions of lives forever. These are the sons of thunder. And this is what Jesus does when when we start to actually stop just hearing him, yeah, 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 Jesus, and start listening. And so as we wrap up today, there are four ways to help you actively listen better. And by the end of our time today, you will have memorized these. You ready? Are you ready to listen? All right? People outside, you ready to listen? Okay, there it is. (laughs) All right, here it is. You guys ready? You got to show up. You got to know up. You got to throw up. And you got to grow up. Say it with me. Here we go. You ready? You got to show up. You got to know up. You got to throw up. You got to grow up. One more time. You got to show up. You got to know up. You got to throw up. That was a little weak. That's okay. There's hope for us, sons of, and daughters of thunder, right? There's hope for us. So how can we actively listen to God? Okay, first, you've got to show up. Friends, we've got to be around where God is speaking. You've got to get into the Word any way you can. I, I don't want to hear your excuse. Eh, it's hard for me to read. Okay, listen to it then. Right? I don't understand it. It's okay. Let it soak in. You know, Find a podcast about it. Get on the Bible. Pro- like, there's so much out there that you can do. You got to get yourself into the word any way you can. You got to listen to the word of God be preached from people you trust, people that actually live it out, not just because they're famous or they speak really well. God speaks through his, uh, through his word, through the Holy Spirit, through the church, meaning the people of God. You got to be around the people of God. You know, I, I understand service and all that. We want to invite you into that, but be around the people of God. Right? He, he, you know, we can 
show up through nature. God's in nature all the time. I mean, I started to do, uh, I went, the Arboretum's back open in Fullerton. I started doing prayer walks there. I just walk and talk with God. People think I'm crazy there. It doesn't matter. Not a lot of people are there anyway, right? Take a different path where no one's at. I just talk out loud. Like, God, what the heck? What's going on this week? You know, this week. Why do I feel this way? Where are you at? Thank you. Thanks for showing up. Whatever it is, I get in nature and I allow that beauty to speak to me because it's, it's the creation of the creator. Art, right? You got to show up. And what I mean by this, you got to be present to all of it. Whatever that looks like for you, show up, right? Be present so that you can listen to what God's saying to you. Noah, you got to wrestle with the word, friends. The Jewish understanding of understanding God is to wrestle with him. And so often in our Western paradigm, it's more like you just have to know about him. There's so much more than that. That's what I'm talking about. You can't just hear about God. You got to listen. You got you to interact. You got to ask questions. You got to listen. You got you to wrestle with the word. You have to read books that talk about God and the word. You, you, have to, you have to have a desire to learn. You have to ask questions. And you have to work to find the answers, friends. Work to find the answers. I got so many questions about God's Word. I got so many questions about the Bible. I got so many questions about God and how He works in this world. But I have to go, I've got to know up. I've got to go figure that out. I've got to talk to other people that seem like, you seem to have a handle on this. Like, help me understand. The most important aspect of all this is, is that you have to not just listen, but obey. This is the know up part. It's not just knowledge, but it's a lived out experience. Your knowledge is powerless unless it is lived out and embodied. I'll say it again. Your knowledge is powerless. Who cares if you know all the things but don't live it out? It's powerless unless it's lived out and embodied. And that is why Christ was the what? The Word made flesh. It's the way of Jesus. You and I are called in the same life. Next one is throw up. It's a little bit gross. This is a gross analogy, but it's okay. Throw up. You got to regurgitate what God has given you. Okay? You just, you know, whatever that looks like. You got to get it out, right? You know how I know if my children have actually listened to me? Right? Do you, you guys, what do I do? I go, hey, what did I just say to you? I want to make sure you didn't just hear me. Did you listen? What did I just say to you? Dad, you said don't drink it too fast, right? The other way I know that they listen to me is how? They do what I ask them to do. They take small sips of the icy, friends, right? Because I'm trying to save them some pain. Ooh, there goes a whole sermon right there, friends. And so it, it, it's, it's those things, and it's, it's about you know, reinforcing through conversation, through sharing, that, it, that God should be on your lips. He should be on your mind. He should be, you should be wrestling with that. But you do that with other people, Right? And you become a blessing to other people. It doesn't mean you got to have it all together, but as you talk about it, you bring it back up, it helps solidify it in your heart. It's just, it's a simple like, just what did I say to you? You said this, you know what I mean? When God tells me, uh, Elliot earlier today goes, hey, let's take a moment. What is God the Father saying to you? I'm sitting over here and I'm like, okay, God, you know, I'm trying not to think about the sermon and everything. What do you want to say to me, God? God the Father goes, Tommy, I'm proud of you. Right? It gets me emotional even saying, Tommy, I'm 
proud. I'm, let me throw it up to back to you. Tommy, I'm proud of you. When I say it out loud, it does something to me internally, doesn't it? Even externally, physically. It does, like, man, God's proud of me? Oof. But when I say it to you, it actually makes it very real where I'm like, don't cry, Tommy. You're good. You're good. But that's how powerful that is. You see why throwing up is so important? You got to regurgitate. You got to share what's been given to you. It solidifies it in your heart. Last one, you got to grow up, friends. You got to grow up. We have to mature and actually see growth. The sons of thunder didn't just stay the sons of thunder, did they? In fact, John grew up and wrote several books of the Bible that talked a lot about love. You can see his growth trajectory. Where he starts off all like, Brad, man, forget them fools. You know what I mean? Like he, I think these guys are kind of roughnecks, you know what I mean? And they're like, nah, man, this is how I am, and that's just what I'm like. And yet, this experience with Jesus, all of a sudden, he's writing these books. It's like, it's all about love, friends. You know? Love each other. You know? If God's love's not in you, like, it's just like all this stuff. And it's like, who is this man? You know who he is? He's the person he was created to be. He's not, he's not these caricatures. He's not the guy that's angry. He's not the loud mouth. He's not all these negative things. He's this beautiful version of what he was created to be. The more you listen and obey, the more you will grow. It's not easy. The cost is high, but the reward is incredible. And I'm a witness to that. And you are a witness to that. So, to listen, what do we have to do? Anybody? We got to... All right, let me see my people out here. Hey, what you got to do? <laughs> Let's go! I felt like they did it better than you guys. You guys want to try again? Come on, I'm in youth ministry. It's okay. Let's do it again. Here we go. You got to show up. You got to know up. You got to throw up. And you got to grow up. Friends, let's pray. God, thank you so much for this morning. God, thank you for uh, your word today. Thank you for this picture, God. About uh, of James and John as, as really an anchor of hope for us that I can go, man, I fail, God. People are probably indignant because of the way I've lived out my faith, um, the way that I've acted, the way I've been loud, the anger I've shown, the, the love that I've held back from people, the unforgiveness, all these things. But instead of feeling guilt and shame from that this morning, God, I look at James and John and I go, there is hope. You are good, God. And Lord, we desire to not just hear you, we want to listen to you. God, give us the power to obey your word. And John 15 says, we can do nothing apart from you. Lord, help us believe that today. And so God, in, in a moment of just transparency with you, friends, if you could just for a moment have that conversation with God and just surrender and go, I, God, I want to hear you. But I, not only that, I want to listen to you. Not only that, God, help me obey. We love you, God, and we thank you so much for your word and how good you are to us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Uh, I have so many thoughts and reflections from this passage and what Tommy has shared um, about this theme of uh, the difference between hearing and listening. And just kind of wondering through the question of, you know, what kept disciples, like fully committed and sacrificial disciples, 
like James and John, who, who ultimately died for the faith? Like, what kept individuals like this from listening, even though they've heard directly from Jesus? What kept them in uh, just hearing and not uh, listening? What, what stood in the way? And, um, and it's really clear in this passage that what stood in the way is their pursuit of power and privilege, right? And, um, and this is a great passage that reminds us that, we, you know, we need to talk about things like power and privilege in the church, right? Because these dynamics are very much in play in Christian communities, and these dynamics are part of human sinful nature, and they have their way of creeping into our faith in ways where if we leave it unchecked, they can infect and corrupt our faith such that we can say the correct things about our faith. We can even do the correct things, uh, you know, supported by our faith, even to, with great sacrifice, but entirely miss the point. We can hear, but not listen. We can do what Christians do, but actually not be Christian. Right? We can do what and say what Christians are supposed to say, but say it in a way that is not Christianly and entirely miss the point. You know, this passage is actually a critical discussion about the pursuit of power and authority, the wielding of power and authority within the context of the practice of uh, the Christian faith. And friends, when we talk about all of our disillusionment about organized Christian religion, particularly as it is as it might be embodied here in America, I would say that the vast majority of it, or even all of it, at least the, from what I feel in my emotions, has to do with unchecked pursuit and an unchecked wielding of power and privilege within Christian communities, right? And I believe our church is in the process of deconstructing a lot of that, and I feel like what we're deconstructing isn't just un, uh, the beliefs about power and privilege, but we're also uh, deconstructing um, these implicit practices that relate to power and privilege within, in, the, in the doing of church, in the living out of what it means to be a, a church community. And that's one of the reasons why, again, this, you know, we harp on this like several times uh, at our church. We go back to these values. And this is why our church is not built around one big personality right? Because that is, we're inviting abuses of power and privilege when the implicit power structures in the church community is built around one big personality, right? When the big draw of why people come to church is because they want to see that one pers big personality and want, they want to associate themselves with that one big personality. I mean, there's this w interesting podcast about who killed Mars Hill, and I think that's a gr uh, that the Christianity Today recently came out with, and it's a wonderful, well, wonderful, it's really depressing <laughs> window into how some of these things uh, can really screw up the faith and screw up the church here in modern time, uh, in, in the 24th century in the United States. And what we hope to do and, and this is something we want to invite you guys to do, is to join us in this process of, hey, you know, uh, instead of, you know, ditching uh, Christianity altogether because of all these abuses, 
can we as a community talk about these things that we've needed to talk about for a long time? Can we show up and join in a conversation about how we can actually not just believe different, uh, believe better, but how we can actually do better as well. So again, just grateful for, for Tommy and laying this foundation down for all of us and a lot of these shared values that we've held together uh, over the years. And, I, and as we transition to um, our communion liturgy, uh, I think this is just a wonderful vision of, uh, I can't get a better image of shared life, of shared power, and shared privilege as uh, that, that image of Christ um, uh, giving of his blood, giving of his body, the image of Christ uh, uh, in the Last Supper, sharing a meal where everyone has a seat in the table together. And that's the, the image that I would love for us to, to hold dear in our hearts and our church, and also the image that I would love for us to pursue actively with great confidence. So if you have a